let me tell you, every single time that has happened to us, we've put an offer on our dream house and it gets rejected. Whatever was on the other side of that has always been so much better. So what's for you is going to be for you. And so just don't get caught up in the disappointments. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Gusto. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll benefits and HR to small businesses across the country. They were even named Best Online Payroll by PC Mag. And as a Side Hustle Pro listener, you will get three months free when you run your first payroll. So sign up and give it a try at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. All right, guys, welcome. Welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Kendra Barnes. Kendra is currently an economist by day and real estate investor by night. She created the key resource to change the perception of what a real estate investor is, quote unquote, supposed to look like. Kendra owns and manages four properties, eight rental units total. She's on a mission to empower and educate millennials about building wealth through real estate investment. Kendra has been featured in Forbes and Black Enterprise Magazine. And when she's not working or looking for her next investment, you can find her thrift shopping, baking some gluten-free goodies, or binge-watching Netflix with her husband. Welcome to the guest chair, Kendra. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. You are right on time because this is an episode that I really need. I really need to break down real estate investment because it intimidates the crap out of me. So thank you for being here. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad to help. So first things first, how did you get involved with real estate investing? What was your initial motivation? Um, It was actually really, really random. Like I do not come from a heritage of like real estate investors. I don't um, come from a family who's done this. And a few years ago, my husband and I were playing this game called cash flow. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. What's that? It's kind of like Monopoly, but it's better because it really mimics real life. You get a career, you have like debt, you may have kids or you know, different expenses. And you have to, the purpose of the game is to get out of the rat race of life. So your rat race is basically living paycheck to paycheck, working a nine to five. And in order to get out of the rat race, you have to make smart investments to start making passive income. And it was just so crazy how playing that game really opened our eyes. Like, wait a minute, we're not investing our money. Our money's not making money. We're just working and we have nothing to show for it. And so we played that game on like a Saturday night. And then Sunday we were out there. We, we started looking for um, rental properties like the next day. Get out. The next day. Yeah. What is looking for rental properties? What was that like? Were you like on Zillow? You know, what are the what are the steps? <laughs> yeah, literally we went on Zillow and just started like looking to see what was out there. And what we didn't know was we were kind of going about it all wrong. Um, We didn't prepare. We didn't save. But we played that game and we were like, we have to get a rental property. Like, what have we been doing all of our lives? Like, So you hadn't saved, which is a scenario that, you know, we saw with the furloughs and the, the government shutdowns that happened this year that, you know, that's a familiar scenario for a lot of people who, for whatever reason, haven't or can't save as much. So 
Did that deter you or were you able to find resources to help you still invest in real estate? Well, see, that was the thing. We were saving money for other things, but we were not saving for investments. For instance, we were traveling like three or four times a year internationally. So we had like a travel fund. We were saving. Yeah, we were saving to get a custom closet built in our house because (laughs) like, (laughs) like really important stuff. Right. Because and it's not that we didn't think that we could invest in real estate. We had just never considered it. Like no one ever sat us down and said, hey, did you know you could be a landlord and I think this, you know, this is why I'm so passionate about what I do now, because representation is so important. And I want people to see me as a young black woman and say, oh, shoot, she's doing it. I can do it. And I didn't I didn't have that. And so we were saving, but like for all the wrong things. (laughs) Okay, so tell us about the first unit that you guys purchased. How did it how did you go about it? What kind of unit was it? So, yeah, we bought a duplex in D.C. And so a duplex is a two unit building. Um, It has two apartments and we found it like looking around on Zillow or one of those one of those other um, sites. And we kind of just ran some really basic numbers like, okay, the mortgage is going to be this amount. We can bring in about this amount in rental income. Let's buy it, which is there's so many other things you you should look for, but we just did not know. Wow. We um, we kind of just jumped into it. It's a really great property, though. We still own it. It still produces amazing rental income. So we were very fortunate to get a great property. But, but we were so was that? unprepared. That was it was 2014. 2014. OK. Yeah. And. When people say buy, I always like kind of smile, laugh nowadays. But a lot of people are like, we just bought a house. Now, now, come on, guys. We we have bought a loan. So really break this down yes. first. What, what, <laughs> what does it mean when you say you bought? How much did you put down? Did you have to get like a uh, realtor and a loan officer? What did it entail? Yeah, so that's a really great point. We definitely got a loan. Um, so we, like I said, we had not been saving for this. And when we when we went to the bank and they told us how much the down payment was going to be, they said, all right, you know, you have to put 25% down. And so for any of you who are looking to get into real estate investing and you're looking to buy a property that you're not going to live in, you have to put 25% down for that mortgage, which is a lot of money, especially for someone who, like us, you know, we had not been preparing. And so the down payment was $57,000, which we did not have in our accounts just lying around. And so we ended up having to pull that money out of our retirement (laughs) accounts in order to put the down payment on that. you pull out all of the money out of your retirement? Are we talking about a portion? Oh, a portion. So we each pulled out some um, from our retirement accounts. And I definitely want to pause here um, and, and say that If anyone is going to pull money out of their retirement in order to invest in anything, please consult a financial advisor. Um, It's a really cool thing because you're basically borrowing money from yourself and you're paying yourself back with interest over time. So there's nothing wrong with it, but you want to make sure that it really fits your financial situation. Absolutely. And I have to pause here as well, because I know all the the financial people are going to hit me up like, oh, my God, you have guests telling people, (laughs) (laughs) listen, this is an individual decision and it comes with repercussions, right? You have a tax penalty at the end of the year, right? When you borrow from your 401k. Yes. So. Listen, I get so much grief from the financial gurus, too. And that's why I say, like, 
please make sure it works for you. It worked beautifully for us because we made more money with that money than it would have made in our retirement accounts. Okay. But that's not going to be the case for everyone. DC is a very unique market where the rents are like really good and things like that. But um, at the time, we honestly didn't know we had other options. And so that's why I'm also so passionate about spreading my, you know, uh, what I know and spreading knowledge, because there's no reason that anyone should make the same mistakes that that I did. Exactly. And and I thank you for that. I'm why I'm so and it's why I'm so happy to have you on, because I think that it can be a little bit confusing when people say real estate investment. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times we've been taught about the American dream of purchasing a home, but most people are purchasing a home to live in and not really purchasing investment properties as in duplexes, multi-unit properties mm-hmm. where they're renting it out. So can you talk a little bit about the the difference there? Yeah, so um, they're both really great. I am very pro home ownership. I think mm-hmm. home ownership gives you so many options. Um, but definitely when you're buying a home that you're just living in, uh, you're not making money off of it. Um, but there are other benefits, like when the home appreciates and value, you know, you gain equity, you can do so many things with with that home. So that that's a great benefit. Um you can also rent out space in your home. Like there are just so many options when you are a homeowner um, versus renting. Um, but then when you're buying rental property, of course, you're making passive income uh, as a landlord, bringing in that rental income. And so I'm definitely pro owning something. And what went into your decision to to buy a rental property versus just another home to rent out to someone else? So um, as far as the duplex versus just buying a single family home. Right, right. Uh, the the duplex that we found was just, a, it was a really great value. And we're like, okay, for this price, we, we basically get two units. So we're making rental income times two. Um, not much more thought went into it besides that. Like I said, because we got into it so randomly, which is what I urge like all of my um, clients and students to really put much more thought and consideration into it <laughs> than, than we did. But but it sounds like it worked out a little bit, right? Or no, tell, tell us what went wrong. <laughs> okay, so this is what went wrong. We bought a duplex. Okay, at the time we owned a house that we lived in, a single family house. And we had no idea that there was this thing that you could do called house hacking. And because of that, we basically wasted over $50,000. What? Wait, break down. What is house hacking? How does it work? So house hacking is when you buy a multi-unit building, like a duplex, a triplex, or a fourplex, and then you live in one unit and you rent out the others. And so the benefit to house hacking is not only do you kind of eliminate that that uh, down payment hurdle, which is paying 25% for the down payment, it's a lot of money. When you house hack, when you live in the property, that down payment is cut down to 3.5% or even less. And so when we bought that duplex and we had to put down $57,000, we could have gotten it only putting down $8,000 if we had just lived in one unit for a year. That's a huge difference. Seriously, (laughs) just by by living in it, you cut out that much? Yeah, because when you're getting a loan from a bank, they are basically looking at all the risk that you bring as a borrower. And 
to them, you living in it is a little less risky. And um, so it's it's a short term sacrifice, you know, just for a long term goal, just living in it for a year. That's usually uh, the requirement. You can live in it longer. But the other really cool thing about house hacking is not only is the down payment lower, but you're living for free. Like your tenant is paying your mortgage. So it's just it's it's an awesome opportunity. OK, that works out now. Tell us a little bit about let's go back to selecting the house a little bit, because when I look at houses, Kendra, and, and we're in you know the same area, DMV, Washington, D.C., Virginia. So when I look at houses, I like maybe it's my taste. I don't know. There are million, two million dollars. So 25 <laughs> percent of that <laughs> yeah. is not the same. So for people who are looking to house hack and get into a real estate investment with rental properties, should they be looking for a certain threshold? So that's another really cool thing about house hacking is you can usually afford more than you would think because what what the banks do is they calculate how much rental income you're going to make mm-hmm. in the future on this property and they tack that onto what you already make with your current nine to five or whatever your salary, whatever your income is. And so that kind of opens you up to this whole other bracket of what you're able to afford. And so after we bought this duplex and we didn't know about house hacking and we put that all that money down um, a, a little over a year later, we ended up house hacking a four unit building that we would have never been able to afford if it wasn't for just the the system, uh, uh, you know, of house hacking. Okay. Wait, so break that down. So you mean they tack on what you are expected to make from rental income or from the appreciation of the property? No, from rental income. So say, yeah, say the property is going to bring in like $30,000 a year in in rental income. They're going to put that, you know, they're going to tack that onto say you make 70,000 a year. So now that's 70 plus 30, they're going to qualify you based on making a hundred thousand a year, um, rather than just your seventy. So that opens okay. you up, yeah, to a whole new realm of possibilities. All right, you guys hear my wonder. This is because Nikayla is about to start <laughs> real estate investing. So I, <laughs> I'm getting this is me getting my consulting right here. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> but I really want to know. Okay, so. You then moved into your next property, that four unit one that you just talked about. Yeah. About how many years were in between those two purchases? Um, It was about a year, maybe a year and a half, but I guess about a year. Were you ever nervous to like to take on this much debt? No, I for me, there's just too many options. I'm not um, risk averse, but when it comes to home ownership, especially in this area, I just... I know there's so much demand, so I'm not really worried. If I cannot find a um, what, what we call a regular tenant or a cash tenant, mm-hmm. I can find a Section 8 tenant. There are plenty of people who are looking for housing in D.C. that are you know, on Section 8 or some kind of housing program, program. If I couldn't find either of those kind of tenants, I could put it on Airbnb. If I can't find any tenants at all, I can sell it. Like there are so many options. That's flexibility. And with, with Section 8, so that's coming from, is that a government grant then? Who's paying that? Yeah, so that is um, government funding. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go into the whole tenant business because this is a big piece for those who are interested in real estate investing. The stress of 
having tenants. Now, I don't like living with people other than my husband. <laughs> but I'm curious about this house hacking stuff. How did you do it? How did how did you get accustomed to being a great landlord and having and, and minimizing the questions and the back and forth with tenants? So I'm not going to lie. At first, I was like you. I'm like, I'm not sharing walls with right. my tenants. <laughs> I don't want to live in no apartment. I have two degrees. I went to school twice. OK, I got a bachelor's and a master's. I work hard every day. I'm not living in no apartment. I have a house like I just didn't have that mindset. Um, But then it clicked to me that really to build wealth from the ground up, which is what we were doing, you really have to make short term sacrifices to reach those goals. And so I just kind of buckled down. We lived in our four unit for a year and like on like a year to the date, whenever we could move out, we left. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And what did you do with your first house while you were doing that? Did you rent that out too? Yeah, we rented it out. So we okay. had like an automatic rental in that too, which was really cool. And it, we're still renting it out. Great tenant. Um, but as far as like living with tenants, we did have to kind of set boundaries. I know some people who house hack who do not tell the tenants they're the owners. And that's wow. a personal. Yeah, they just pretend they're a tenant or they pretend that they are a uh, property manager and then they hire a property management company to kind of take over things. And so a lot of landlords don't even manage their properties themselves, which is you know, it, it's just a personal preference. Um, so you don't have to kind of, you don't have to deal with the headaches if you don't want to. Okay. Because I, I used to live in a building in um, Harlem back in the day and my landlord lived under us. And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I felt like I was always being watched. I don't think it was healthy for her either. Like, I feel like it stressed her out more when you can see your tenants and see when they're doing something like the recycling's not perfect or, mm-hmm. you know, so how do you separate, how do you give yourself that boundary to not be in landlord mode and to just be in, I live here mode? It's hard because this is, you know, it's your investment. And and like I tell my tenants, like we worked hard to get this property. Please take care of it, you know. And so it's really hard to kind of separate yourself if you see someone not taking care of your investment. Like I'm not some like random rich person way off, you know, living my life on an island somewhere while you're living in this place. Like I'm, I'm working, I'm grinding. This was not easy to attain. Like, please meet me halfway, you know? Um, so it, it, it can be tough. And did you know that, I know that you got into this because you guys saw the potential, but did you really think you would be able to earn money immediately or were you focused on the longer term reward? Oh no, we were all focused on that cash flow, that <laughs> monthly. Yeah, we were like, oh, we can make how much extra a month? Okay. That'll be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then did you have to put in any any money and investment into remodeling and fixing up any of these properties? We did. That very first duplex, we did spend some money um, getting things done. We kind of slow rolled it. We did a lot of work ourselves. We were in there like late nights eating pizza you know, fixing the kitchen, putting up cabinets, which was really fun because we learned a lot. Now we outsource that stuff mostly. But, um, you know, when you're first starting out, you're like in the trenches. Okay. (laughs) Um, Like, how do you learn to just do housework? I mean, just do (laughs) YouTube. 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 Seriously. So now let's talk about, so you in total today own four properties. Yeah, so we own um, eight rental units total. So uh, 
duplex, a fourplex, um, a single family home and a condo. What's the strategy behind that? When do you decide to invest in another? When, why did you take on four instead of three? And, and, you know, walk us through that kind of thought process. So right now we have like a, a monthly uh, cash flow goal and we're like, we want to make this much per month in rental income. Okay. And um, if other deals come up, like the condo that we purchased, we weren't really planning on it, but we found out about it and it was just too good to pass up. And so once you get started real estate investing, first of all, it's addicting. <laughs> um, all of my students who have gotten their first properties are like, I'm itching to get the next one is it, once you realize you can do it and it's like, oh, this is all it takes. Like, I got this. Right. You just you can't wait to get the next one. But also you kind of get into a groove as an investor and you figure out like, you know, what works best for you. And then it just kind of flows from there. So what's the end goal? This is real estate investing, right? So when do you cash out? When do you know that you're going to get the best return on your money? How do you how do you work that out? It just really depends. Every investor is different. Every market is different. Things change from day to day. For us, getting that um, rental income in every month is super important. And so we're not we're not looking to sell anything right now. But who knows? In a couple of years, that could change. We're just kind of taking it one day at a time. But every investor is different. So when you started out, um, what were your what were your career paths? You and your husband. So we both worked for the government. Um, and I do want to take a second here and say that if anyone's listening, because I get this a lot, they're like, Kendra, of course, you can invest in real estate. You have a husband, you have another like income in your household, but I'm single. I can't do it. That is not true. I have so many friends and so many coaching clients who have purchased homes on their own. And several of them have purchased um, multi-unit properties by themselves. I have one in particular who purchased a four-unit building and she's in grad school. So she did it on her own. And I just want to encourage anyone listening who thinks that, oh, I have to wait till I'm married. No, you don't. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. Okay. <laughs> do not, do not make Kendra exceptional and like something that you can achieve. Everybody mm -hmm. can achieve this. And that is mm -hmm. why she's in the guest chair. Now, at what stage are you guys planning to leave your job? So that's actually in the works right now, which I'm super excited about. It's been like, for me, a long time in the making. I've been like itching to leave because I got into this world of entrepreneurship, even outside of real estate. And I'm like, you know, I think I can do this full time. But we really wanted to create a really good um, safety net and a really good rhythm, like with our rentals and and kind of getting that consistent income. But really soon, I'll be I'll be leaving uh, my government job and retiring and and living off of the real estate. All right. So I'm guessing the government shutdown did not affect you. <laughs> nope, not at all. No, I was not even worried, which was a good feeling to yeah. have. And that's why I really encourage people to try to get another stream of income. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be real estate. I don't want to push real estate down anyone's throat, um, but just invest your money and make sure your, your money is making money somehow. Somehow. And do you guys have to pick up and move every time you get a new property like to house hack is that what you're doing no so we've only house hacked once um and then after that we just bought a house for ourselves uh but if you're gonna house hack over and over again then i guess you would have to but we only house hack one time hey guys it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors if you have a business or you know someone who does 
you probably know by now that small business owners, we wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are mad fun, I'm not gonna lie. But some of them, like filing taxes and running payroll, they're not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for us small businesses. It's fast with simple payroll processing benefits and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about all that. Plus, they make it easy to add on things like health benefits and even 401ks for your team. So those old school clunky payroll providers that you probably thought you had to look at, they just weren't built for the way we work as modern small businesses, but Gusto is. So let them wear all of those hats for you. You have better things to do. Side Hustle Pro listeners, you get three months free when you run your first payroll. So test it out. See for yourself at gusto.com SHP. That's gusto.com SHP. So now let's get into really helping people understand how they can invest in real estate. You started a company called The Key Resource. Tell us, what is it? What services do you provide? So um, at The Key Resource, I basically empower, inspire, and educate beginner real estate investors. And I started it a couple of years ago because I realized there was a huge disconnect. I had posted on Facebook to my friends. I did not own a business at the time. I just was posting to my friends on Facebook and on Instagram like, hey, we just bought this four unit building. If anyone wants to know how we did it, let me know. And within an hour, my inbox was flooded with messages like, how did y'all do this? How can you afford it? I thought you had to be rich to invest in real estate. And I said, oh my gosh, my peers don't know that they are capable of this. Um, we were not rich. We were not wealthy. We didn't We didn't even halfway know what we were doing uh, then. But I realized I needed to spread you know, the message and let everyone else learn from my mistakes. Because like I said earlier, there's literally no reason that anyone that comes across you know, uh, my path should make the same mistakes that that we did. Speaking of that, what are some common misconceptions that you come across that people have about investing in real estate? So the very first one is that I think subconsciously, especially um, in the black community, we don't even realize that we're worthy of wealth. And I think that's so important to to know is that we are worthy of wealth and we're more than capable of attaining it. Uh, the second thing is that people think you have to be rich to invest in real estate. I think if you say the term real estate investor, immediately people think of some old wealthy person like with some huge mansion, but that's not the case. You, you can literally start investing in real estate or investing in anything right now with what you have. This is so encouraging because, yes, I do think of maybe not a, you know, old white investor, but um, just people who have it together. <laughs> like, oh, she oh, she <laughs> she's buying houses. Oh, she has it together. I don't know what together means, but in my mind and I know I'm not alone in this, y'all like DM me if this is you. You're like, oh, oh, she just has she has things figured out. I'm not there yet. <laughs> but I think we have to push ourselves. It's the same thing that I realized when starting a business that. You just have to push yourself to get into that zone. So, okay, I need to find out more information. Kendra's doing this. Like, this is attainable. I just need to now focus on getting my ducks in a row. And this, too, can be attainable for me. So 
what are some of the first steps we should take as we're starting to think about investing in real estate? So the very first thing you should do would be to write down your goals. Like don't, you know, don't start investing in real estate just because you saw me on Instagram investing in real estate. <laughs> don't start doing it because you heard this right. podcast. Do should I start with a 10 unit building or, <laughs> you know, just to maximize bang for buck? <laughs> oh, that's a really big leap. That's huge. But I mean, you should write down your goals and figure out what's okay. really important to you and what are your money goals? Like how much do you want to make? What's your long term? What's your end goal? And just uh, kind of figure it out from there. Now, let's say I write that down. I have my goal down. What's next? Like in the key resource, do you kind of walk people through, okay, now you need to get a realtor. Now you now you need to figure out based on what you're identifying as homes you like, this is what 25% would be. That's how much you need to have saved. Yeah. You know, some people are going to write down their goals and they're going to realize that being a landlord isn't really for them. But Mm. that's the really amazing thing about real estate investing. You don't have to be a landlord. You don't have to house hack. I love house hacking. I think it's an amazing way to get started. But there you can flip properties. You can wholesale properties. You don't even have to be hands on at all. You can be a private uh, money lender. If you have the money, you want to make your money make money. Um, but you don't want to get into the nitty uh, nitty gritty day to day real estate investing, you know, issues. Yes. you. There's so many things you can do. Oh, I see what you mean, because all this time I've been thinking, oh, man, I really like I like people, but I don't like people enough to be a landlord. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> so, don't have so to be a landlord. Knowing that I don't have to be a landlord. So what does it mean to you mentioned a few things? So a mm-hmm. money lender. And so um, you can be a private money lender, which say you have like $10,000 just sitting in your bank account and you're like, "Mm, my savings account is only giving me like 0.000 return on this $10,000. And then you find someone like me or some other investor who's about to buy a property and flip it. Okay, Um, flipping it. Yep. So I might put a call out and say, hey, I need $50,000 from five different private investors. I'll give you your money back. In X amount of days. And so it's basically as a private lender, you are letting investors borrow your money. They're going to give it back to you with interest. And you're typically making more than it would be sitting in a bank. Um, and so that's a way to like invest in real estate very passively, not get your hands dirty, but still make money. Um, then there's like wholesaling, which is a form of investing that does not require any money. Um, I don't wholesale. I'm not an expert on it, but I did put a panel of experts together. Um, if, if you go to my site, I have a a course that shows you like six different ways to invest in real estate. Mm-hmm. But wholesaling doesn't require any money. You don't even have to have good credit to do it, but you have to have a lot of time. And so um, that's the thing about wholesaling. There's also tax lien investing. Um, there's flipping, which is so popular because of HGTV. <laughs> yes, I hear a lot about flipping. Have you guys flipped any properties? No, no. So we are buy and hold investors. Basically, we just buy properties and rent them out. Um, I've never flipped. I've never hold, uh, done wholesaling. I've never invested in tax liens. Every investor kind of has their their thing. So it sounds like we need to know a little bit more about each thing or at least explore each thing. Now that we know these titles and these definition guys, we need to go and explore a little bit more of what each what each lane could look like for us yeah. and decide which, you know, which is kind of our thing. Definitely, definitely. So what 
has happened since you started the key resource? How many years has it been? Uh, tell us about some of your students, your success stories. Yeah, so it's been about two years and I just get so excited whenever I see my students win. Like, it's just so amazing to me because they literally come to me and they're like, I don't know where to start. And then within a few months, it's like, I just bought my first property. And then like a few months later, I just got a second. And just seeing them go um, from like zero to 100 and seeing that aha moment is it's just so humbling. It's the most amazing experience. But like I said, I had a um, coaching client who bought a four unit in Alabama. She's in grad school. She only put $5,000 down. What? And, Wait, yes. We got to dwell on this for a second. How? <laughs> How? <laughs> because she's house hacking. And the really cool uh, thing, I'm going back to house hacking because I love it. But yep. the other cool thing is even if you're not house hacking, you guys, if you're buying a house that you're going to live in, you can get grants and you can get down payment assistance um, that will lower or eliminate your down payment. There are several down payment programs out there where you can literally get a house with no money down and people are really leaving money on the table. I know I did because I didn't know about them. Um, and so, yeah, I have a, a coaching client in New York who got over $80,000 worth of down payment assistance to buy a duplex like she didn't have to come to the money to the table with any money. Now, what are some of the programs and places that we can look to for down payment assistance? So every state is different. There are some state programs. There are some national programs. And I have the reports on my site. I've, I picked like 12 major states in the U.S. And I basically compiled a list of all of the um, down payment grants and and resources in that state. Um there's like three or four pages. Oh, right. <laughs> so there's a lot. Okay, for me in DC or or Virginia, like what's one of the the ones that is top of mind that everyone so, uses? Yes, my favorite um, is the NACA program. Have you heard of it? NACA. No, you know I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, NACA. Yeah. It's, it's a really really great program. Um, no down payment, very low interest rate. Um, there are some pros and cons to using it, but if I could use NACA, I would. I can't because I already own a home, but literally if I was eligible, I'd be like the first person in line. Wow. <laughs> so is this like a first time home buyers down mm -hmm. payment assistant program? And what's in it for yeah. them? What What is the benefit of these programs and why do they exist? So I can't remember which banks are involved with this program, but it's, it's a way to make home ownership um, available to people who it wouldn't ordinarily be available to. So they're eliminating that down payment barrier. And I believe it's almost like a nonprofit for them. It's a, a nonprofit that they've created. I'm not sure, but I think there are benefits because it's basically a nonprofit entity. And for the for the person who enrolls in it, it's do you get support in? Oh, OK. You're asking what's in it for the person who actually. Oh, for both. For both. I was okay. wondering why they exist, um, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, there's always a catch. <laughs> Not in yeah. a bad way, but, uh, you know, everything exists for a reason. But then for the person who joins NACA, what kind of program, what kind of assistance do you receive? So you get a counselor. And basically the other cool thing about NACA is if you join and at the time you don't have stellar credit or your savings really isn't up to par, they work with you to get you to a point where you are um, in, a, in a better financial position. Um, the other really cool thing is there are no there are no income limits or income requirements or credit requirements to join. The purpose of the program is to get you to a point where you are in a place to buy um, but you can also join if you're ready too. you can. I have a friend that makes six figures and she's she joined NACA. So, OK, 
I'm glad you brought up credit requirements, savings requirements, income requirements, because that was my next question. And I think this is if we were to get to the core of what intimidates some people, it is feeling like they are not enough. And I'm glad you started off with, you know, that you are worthy and you are enough. But let's get to the real in, in terms of credit requirements and income requirements. What Where should people be at to start investing? So if you're going to buy a rental property, you're going to want to make sure that you can afford that payment, that mortgage payment um, on your own if you don't have a renter. So I would say, imagine you went three months with no renter. Could you pay your personal mortgage or your personal rent or whatever you, you know, wherever you're living and pay that mortgage for the rental property and be okay? If not, you shouldn't start investing yet. That's a very good guide. That I love that. And of course, when it comes to the savings, are you recommending 25% or even more than that? Um, I don't know. It varies. <clears throat> when it comes to getting a mortgage, the the bank is definitely going to look at your income, your debt to income ratio, how much savings you have. And they're going to kind of look at all those different things, your credit score and kind of uh, factor it all together. But I think everyone should have at least six months of living expenses. So you can start there. Now that you're getting now that you're getting ready to leave, what kind of checklist did you go through to decide that now was the time? Um, I just made sure that I could, you know, consistently replace my income and um, my husband's income as well. And then once we were able to, you know, get to that point and, and feel like we could do it consistently, that was that was enough for us. And you're doing this consistently with rental income. Yes. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. So inspiring. Now, are you thinking of investing in more properties or at this point, are you guys holding and profiting off what you have? No, we are always, always looking. Yeah, we are like constantly looking for the next deal. So hopefully soon we haven't purchased anything in like a year and a half, which I don't know. I'm kind of going through withdrawals now, but um, (laughs) it's so addicting. But uh, yeah, we're always looking. And, you know, I really admire you because it's one thing it's one thing to become successful at something, but to then take the time to answer questions and realize that, hey, people need to understand how to do this. And I why not me? I'm going to create the resource, literally the key resource for people (laughs) to learn how to do this. Talk about your plans for the key resource. You know, what do you hope? What, What is the ultimate goal of this business? I want people to start out their real estate investing journey better than I did. If I can help people do that, I am like the happiest person on the planet. And what are the the things that you want to make sure we don't do? Um, Don't leave money on the table. Like definitely know what resources are out there. Um, I want people to know uh, that they, you know, that real estate investing is not one size fits all. And so I want mm-hmm. people to really figure out what's best for them and don't just do what you see everyone else doing. Um, so, yeah. And and then the other thing, too, is because we live in this social media age, I think it's really easy to get into this comparison game. Yes. Like, and you feel so, even me as an investor, I have investor friends who buy like a property a month, it seems like. And what? I'm over here like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, they have 20 rentals. They have 45 rentals. And I hear with my little four properties, but there's someone looking at me who's like, I don't have anything. Exactly. You know? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, that's me. That's me looking at you <laughs> like that. <laughs> 
So but, if you were if you wanted to put a face on that, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really just um, try not to to get into that comparison game and really, you know, do things in, in your time. You know, everything will happen in the right time. So. As you're speaking, I'm just thinking about where I am in my life, where other people may be. And again, going back to this concept of when are you ready to start investing in real estate, especially Mm -hmm. as a side hustle? What what kind of bandwidth do you need to to buy a rental property? Should you have X amount of hours a, a week? You know, what would be your advice Oh, that's really, really good. I don't know about X amount of uh, hours because every property is going to be different. Some may need a lot of work. Some um, tenants may be needier than others. That's tough. But also, if you're looking to get started, you're working full time and you're not really sure if you can take on a whole new property. One thing I encourage people to do is if you own a home right now, try to start making rental income with the home you own. Maybe you have a basement apartment that you never use or a basement that you know you could rent out. Maybe you could rent a room on Airbnb and kind of start making rental income without taking the leap and getting that, that extra property and then build up your capital from there. I have friends who rent out rooms on Airbnb, um, you know, just kind of thinking outside the box. Um, I have a friend who has a guest house in the back of her house and she rents that out on Airbnb. So that's another way to get started too. Now, I was reading the Forbes article um, that about you, but that was about two years ago now. So at the time, it talked about you making over 200000 in annual rental income. Has that increased? And how do, you, um, how do you allocate that so that you're obviously growing and investing in new properties, but also setting aside for the future? Yeah, so it has gone up because um, the one of the areas that we've invested in has gentrified, the rents have gone up. And so we are definitely using that income to, um, you know, invest in the properties we already have, like improve them. And that also sets us up to be able to make more money off of them um, and then saving them and, and getting ready to invest in other properties. What are some of the downsides before we jump into the lightning round? You know, I, I, you got me all souped up. I'm literally ready to go on Zillow after this interview and mm-hmm. <laughs> look for rental properties. But oh, yay. what are some of the downsides? Um, so you're asking a real estate investment addict the downsides. <laughs> um, I'm like, well, I guess see. disclaimer, <laughs> what should we know? You know, because a lot of times people are like, okay, I, I have savings. I'm going to do this. And then they get mm-hmm. uh, surprised by curveball after curveball. Mm-hmm. What should we keep in mind? Yes, the curveballs will come, but you will rebound. Because let me tell you, when your money is on the line, you're going to figure out another way. That's what I've always Found Another thing that I've seen happen is that there are a lot of disappointments in real estate investing or even in home ownership. If you're looking for a house for yourself or looking for a rental, you see the perfect house, you put an offer in, it gets rejected. And now you're all torn up because this was like the home of your dreams. But let me tell you, every single time that has happened to us, we've put an offer on our dream house and it gets rejected. 
whatever was on the other side of that has always been so much better. Like, well, that offer gets rejected. A few weeks later, we find another house that's so much better than this one that we're like, why do we even want that other house? Like, (laughs) so what's for you is going to be for you. And so just don't get caught up in the disappointments in real estate investing because there will be disappointments. And do you how do you go about finding tenants? You you mentioned the flexibility in it, but when you, you know, got your property already, your duplex, your your four unit place, then are you posting these on Craigslist? Are you posting these on Airbnb? How do you fill them? It depends on the the neighborhood. Um, we always look at where the rental is and figure out what would be the best use. So um, we've done Airbnb. We've done, um, you know, Section 8. We've done, you know, just posting on regular rental sites for, you know, regular cash tenants. And uh, now we're looking into trying to get like traveling nurses. There's a whole site for you to rent to traveling nurses. Um, So we're looking into that, too. Interesting. So you, you just like really have to know all these different ways to promote your unit and and also get good tenants because I'm sure by now you kind of are like, okay, this tends to attract more solid people versus (laughs) (laughs) this, right? Yes. Especially DC is a, you know, college town there, there it's transient. There are a lot of people coming through. Do you tend to look for professionals versus students or anything like that? Um, like I said, it definitely depends on where the rental is, but okay. here's the thing. Cause people get so kind of scared about, oh, I don't want terrible tenants, but if you're renting right now, if you're listening to this and you're renting right now, or if you're a good tenant to your landlord, just imagine there are people out there like you. Like when I was renting, I was a really great tenant and that's so true. People, I have a great, yeah. tenant. great tenants. <laughs> exactly. Like every, every tenant out there is not a trash tenant. Uh-huh. Like there are people just like you who are looking to rent and you can find those people and you can kind of put yourself in that, you know, tenant shoes. If you were looking for an apartment, where would you look and kind of go from there? Right. What a hopeful note to remind us about. Thank you. All right. So <laughs> now let's jump into the lightning round. You just answer the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Yes. All righty. Number one, what is one of the top resources that has helped you in your business and real estate investing that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Zapier. Ooh, how so? It's an automation tool. It literally automates your entire business life. It's called Zapier. Okay. I will link to that in the show notes. And number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode or live event that you've consumed in the last year? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say um, Think and Grow Rich. Number three, what is one step that a side hustler can take today if they're interested in real estate and want to get started? Uh, set your goals and then start doing your research. Um, align yourself with someone who's doing what you want to do and learn from them. All righty. Number four, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? So customer service is really, really big for me. And so I always give the same level of customer service that I would want to receive if I was a customer so whenever you come across my page or my my company, you're going to get the same customer service that I would want. And then finally, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about leaving that steady paycheck, that good government job? <laughs> mm-hmm. So one stream of income is never 
enough. If you're leaving your nine to five to work full time in your business, I completely support you. But make sure you have another stream of income outside of that business. Invest in stocks, invest in real estate, you know, whatever you whatever you want to invest in. Um, because one stream is not enough. And people found that out from the government shutdown. People find that out when they don't have a good business sales month. So make sure you secure multiple streams of income before you leave. I like that. And that raises one final question for me. So before we go, um, you know, speaking of multiple streams of income, so you have your multiple rental properties, but then you also have the key resource. So as you think about multiple streams of income, do you think of growing the key resource to something even bigger? What's your vision for the key resource? Definitely. I have been working to grow the key resource and especially now with um, our plans to quit and really be real estate investors full time. That gives me so much more room to grow um, my my business as well. And so I want to do more traveling. I want to do like more one on ones with clients, do more in-person workshops. Right now I do tons of online workshops, um, but I really want to get out there and start traveling more and reach more uh, more people. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that because I think that our community needs you. Lots of people need you to, and just to see that you did it, Kendra, with her natural hair, her fly self, um, (laughs) is owning multiple properties. I feel like I can do it too. So shout out to you. Now, where can people connect with you and the key resource after this episode? So you guys can find me on Instagram at the key resource. Once you find me there, everything you need is in my bio. Um, please DM me if you've heard this episode, reach out. I love connecting with you guys. I'm just really happy um, to have been a part of the show. Oh, thank you for being here. And yes, guys, all of the good stuff is in her bio, including that down payment program uh, PDF that she put together. So go there and grab it. All right. At the key resource, all links will also be in the show notes. And there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.